Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh, clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. If you're looking to throw some optics on your turkey gun this spring, look no further than the Vortex Defender ST. This is the red dot we're going to be running this season. We're excited about it. This thing's built like a tank, super lightweight, super long battery life, everything you need in a good turkey red dot. And if you want to get a discount on that red dot or any other Vortex Optic, go to eurooptic.com and use the code SGN10 to get a discount. That's eurooptic.com, code SGN10. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar. May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you. And we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, guys, 
Welcome to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. I am finally here with Jacob on the phone, or not on the phone, we're both, well, kind of on the phone. We're both here today, in the intro, so that's, that hasn't happened in a while. Jacob, how are you doing, man? <laughs> man, been unbelievably busy. I just made the drive up from Jacksonville, Florida, which is where I've been this past week, up to Oklahoma City. So that's where I'm at currently uh, for the week, and then from here I'll be leaving for Northern Ohio on Friday. And then I just got the news, I'll be moving to Nashville, Tennessee, guys, in a couple weeks. So any of the listeners and any of our buddies that we got in Nashville, get ready, because we're about to have a blast in Nashville, guys. Yes, sir, man. I'm excited. Now I'll have a free place to stay when we go to the convention. Yeah, you're right about (laughs) that, dude. You are right about that. But... Anyway, so guys, on this week's episode, uh, we're going to be covering mine and Jordan Barnes' hunt from Georgia. Uh, I was down there this past weekend uh, doing a hunt with him on some public land, and we had a crazy and very, um, I don't know, just a really crazy hunt, guys, and uh, we learned a lot from it. I should have shot a turkey in the face at least twice. Uh, same turkey um so (laughs) it it made for a it made for a crazy hunt we learned a lot from it guys it's really entertaining to listen to us and uh hear how you know maybe we should have done some things different i'm sure a lot of y'all can relate with this but uh before we kind of jump into that andrew what have you been up to lately uh not enough turkey hunting (laughs) just yeah i was gonna say i'm about to say well, Alabama season, I would say Alabama season's about to close, I mean, tomorrow, uh, when this is actually released, so that's, that's a sad, sad sign. Yeah, man, I haven't, I've just been busy, I haven't been able to get out in like a week. Uh, the last time I got out, which, there there hadn't been a whole heck of a lot going on with me in the turkey woods uh, for myself, I've been out a few times, I've taken uh, some friends hunting, we haven't had any luck, uh, we've gotten close, but, you know, just... I haven't had any super crazy exciting hunts, uh, but then I think it was last Saturday I took my cousin Nathan out. Uh, we were gonna go try and get his first turkey, and so we went out to his lease near uh, Terrence, Alabama. And his property sets up kind of weird because it's all real young forest, like very thick young forest. So I was kind of iffy about it. I'm like, man, maybe we maybe we should have just gone to the public land over here, but. Uh, we didn't. We went to the uh, we went to the lease. So I'm nervous about this. We get out and we start walking down the road, and we get to this. I'm looking on uh, on X, and I see uh, I'm, I'm doing like the satellite topo overlay, and I see the road does like a big switchback, and right on that switchback is also the highest point on this ridge. So I'm like, well, we're gonna go stand there, and we're just gonna stand there and listen until something gobbles, and if something doesn't gobble, we'll just drop off to the left or the right. And uh, sit in that bottom and uh, blind call for a little while. We get up to the switchback and one hammers like 35 yards in front of us. I mean, he's like right there in the woods, but it's thick and we can't see him. So I'm like, okay, we need to calm down and figure out something smart to do. So we just back up down the road a little bit and kind of get behind the curve. So he'll have to hook that curve to get to us. And uh, this, man, this hunt was kind of crazy. So we we sit down and call a little bit, and he he turns away from us on the limb and gobbles, and I was like, okay, well now he's gobbling the other way, and then he pitches down and he flies off in the other direction, as turkeys do. So we were like, well, that's inconvenient. 
And uh, he he stayed quiet for a minute, and then he man he started just burning it up. He was gobbling over and over and over again. I mean, you've heard of a double gobble. This thing was gobbling like four and five times, like all together. It was insane. You could hear him running out of breath as he was gobbling. Man, he was going crazy. So I tell Nathan, I'm like, we we got to go to this turkey. So we hurry down there. At the end of this road, there's a big green field and uh there's a shooting house on this green field it's where they deer hunt and this bird is just hammering right in the middle of this field and i can tell that he's there just by the way that he's how i can hear him so clearly and uh i'm like well let's try a little bit of calling so we try everything man we try soft calling we try not calling we try jake yelping uh, we tried everything that we could try with this bird and he would not budge he would just sit there and gobble over and over and over again and we're like, well, man, I mean, he's right there. I wonder if we can just turn the corner and shoot him. So I, I crawl up there, and I basically crawl halfway up the ladder that goes into the shooting house that they got on this field. And I see the bird out there, and he's right smack in the middle of the field. So I'm sitting there watching this thing, and I'm like, man, is he is he 60? Is he 70? I can't tell how far he is. And... Uh, meanwhile, there's some other birds gobbling, and he's gobbling at these birds, and he's gobbling at the crows, and he's gobbling at nothing. And I'm like, man, if we let this turkey get away, I'm never going to forgive myself. So, uh, to make a long story short, we spend an hour, like, slowly crawling up to the corner of where this road, like, turns and goes into this green field. And I'm, like, peering through the bushes with my binos, and I'm, like, leaning out as much as I can and get, trying to get a range with my range finder. And I ranged, and it was like 78 yards. I was like, that, that is definitely not right. And so I, uh, I try to get a more accurate range, and it comes back as like 64. And I'm like, okay, he's de- I know he's closer than 64, and I know that my gun can kill out to you know that distance, but I was confident that he was a lot closer than that. So I was like, Nathan, take my gun, crawl up to that little bush right there, and just shoot him, like <laughs> just bushwhack him, man. So that's what he did. Dude, he crawled up through that wet grass and rolled that turkey over at uh, 44 steps is how far away he was. But great bird, man. 10-inch beard. Uh, right at 1-inch spurs. Nice, sharp, hooked 1-inch spurs. Just a beautiful, heavy, nice bird, man. And that was his first turkey, and he deserved it, dude. It, it was quite a hunt, and I'm honored to have been there for it, man. It was It was incredible. Nathan, if you're listening... I can't wait to get back out in the turkey woods with you, dude. I had a lot of fun. Well, unless y'all are going to go to either Georgia or Tennessee, <clears throat> it might be until next year, guys, unfortunately. That is very but, true. Uh, but, man, that sounds awesome. I remember when you sent me that video of y'all crawling and he was gobbling in the field. I was like, I was so confused on the situation. I'm like, what have y'all gotten yourself into? Because that was before you killed that bird. Or I should say, I got the video before I even knew you killed the bird. And uh, that, that was just crazy, man. That's that's a crazy hunt. And I know I had a pretty <clears throat> crazy hunt a little bit before that. Actually, I don't know if it was on the same day or not when uh, I was in North Carolina. Uh, no, I guess it was the week prior. No, you were in Georgia because I was giving you crap because we killed a turkey and you didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, y- y'all hear about that in this episode. But uh, the week before, guys, so I guess it was going almost uh, three weeks ago, I was in North Carolina. And I hunted uh, opening weekend uh, with our buddy Greg Broadway, and uh, he's got 
couple properties up there that we were going to hunt on and, you know, we had scouted previously and, you know, I found some really good sign out there, but, you know, the day prior uh, to the season opening, uh, Greg was down there that opening or that morning and uh, was able to locate three different birds on the public land across the street from their farm. And, uh, you know, that kind of got us a little uh, interested in that because he's hunted that piece of property a little bit, but nothing major. And, uh, you know, we met up that evening and did a lot of hardcore research. And we tried to roost some birds that night on that public land and couldn't get anything to get anything to talk. But uh, we came back and got on Onyx and really broke it down and really got a good layout of that land. And we found out there was three major ridges on this piece of public. And this public parcel was part of this uh, national forest. And um, the parcel that we were hunting had roads on two sides of it. And it was kind of like in the corner. And... Um, it wasn't that big of a piece of parcel. It wasn't that piece, that big piece of a uh, property. I think it was only about 89 acres. It was under a hundred acres. I know that. And it was, we found out the next day it was covered up in birds. Um, the cool thing is on this piece of property, they had just ran a fire through it. And a lot of guys, you know, they see people, they see, you know, uh, you know, the state running fires through some national forests. You know, you know, during turkey season, early turkey season, you know, they get kind of upset. And I can understand that, you know, maybe they burn up some nests, maybe they don't. But I will say this, turkeys really do love these burns because right after they burn, within a couple of days, there will be new sprouts growing up. And these new little shoots is what these turkeys are really feeding on. And uh, these birds were roosted all up in this burn. I mean, there was parts of this burn that were still smoking on opening morning uh, when we were able to kill our birds. But uh, again, we got on Onyx and found that there's these three major ridges on this piece of property. And uh, we decided uh, opening morning when we got down there that, you know, we were going to get up on one of these ridges and, uh, you know, kind of listen for some birds. But before that, we tried to locate some off the road right there. And uh, one cool tactic that we use on this hunt that I think is really important because I'm definitely going to do this next year. I'd previously gotten Greg uh, into coyote hunting using mouth calls, uh, coyote howlers, and actually howling for coyotes to locate them and call them in. And he actually was using, he had been using his uh, coyote howler mouth call from MFK Game Calls to locate these turkeys the past couple weeks and uh, had pretty good success with it. I mean, he let out a howl or two and, you know, get these birds to get fired up. And uh, we did that that morning real early in the morning, like at right at 6 o'clock, and uh, nothing was happening. So we decided to start hiking in, get up on that ridge top, and kind of like sit and listen. And we did that, but we probably got up the ridge, you know, probably 200 yards at the most. And I told him, like, hey, let out a howl real quick and, you know, see what happens. And, you know, it's starting to really get gray light. Like you could, you know, start seeing your feet and everything while you're walking, you know, without your headlamp. And, you know, we had uh, had him uh, howl one time, and, man, like five birds hammered. And two of them were on the ridge we were walking up on. Three of them were across the ridge, across this little drainage on the other side. And I was like, oh, yeah, now we're, now we're talking. And uh, anyway, so, so we get up there in this burn. You know, it, it's kind of crazy. It's big, mature pines, uh, real mature pines. I mean, you would have trouble climbing all these trees with a climbing uh, tree stand if you were trying to deer hunt this. But uh, it, it was relatively open because of the burn, but there was still a lot of I want to call it the skeleton of the vegetation uh, that when it, the fire ran through, it burnt everything up, all the leaf, uh, all the leaves off. Uh, so it made for a really weird hunting situation because, you know, we're both wearing, you know, pretty green camouflage and everything's black around us. Like we, tr- we pretty much should have worn black jogging pants and like 
you know, like a black gray t-shirt. Like that yeah. literally probably would have worked better. Dude, I was going to say in the video that you sent me, it looks like it was filmed in like black and white. Like that's how burned up this forest was. It, it was like strange looking. There's like no color there. Yeah, it, it, it was unreal. And the, the good thing though is that because everything was so one tone, I, I think it helped with the turkeys kind of like not really seeing what's going on and they had to really kind of come in there uh investigate the situation but we get we start to get set up on top of this ridge where it opened up to about you know 35 yard shot this was one little opening and i was like you know we we uh by this time you know the birds are hammering on their own and we have one that's probably 200 yards from us down the ridge and uh we start i was like you know let's drop down the ridge get down this little draw right here and get in between all these birds and i see what happens and we literally make it maybe 20 yards uh off this ridge and all of a sudden i start hearing tree yelps and clucks down below us and i'm like oh dude i'm like stop 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 and we get probably within 60 to 70 yards of a tree full of hens like full of hens man and uh they just started waking up i was like oh man and we're like out in pretty open this open cover i was like hey we need to back up get back in that opening to set up and uh once we get to the opening uh we get set up again you know by this time you know it's getting you know pretty good light like well within legal shooting light and uh, we get set up on this one big tree, and we get the, the camera with us. Both of us got a gun. And what we were going to do is, uh, me and Greg had talked previously. You know, I still, at this time, had yet killed my first turkey. So I was going to shoot anything legal. So if a Jake came by, I was going to shoot a Jake. And then uh, our game plan was, you know, Greg was going to be first shooter. Unless it was a Jake, then I would shoot. Well, we get set up. We start doing some, I start doing some real soft tree yelps. And uh, anyways, had birds firing off on the ridge on us. And, you know, after a little bit of time, these hens down in front of us, they flew down, and you heard them fly down. And I did a fly-down cackle and uh, did the old wing beat with my hat. It sounded awesome, man. It had a bird fire at it. and uh, But once those hens hit the ground, man, they were making a ruckus. There was definitely one boss hen that was just letting, letting us have it and letting everyone else have it. Did you uh, record just, that hen by any chance? I attempted to, except for some reason on my phone, that one video I took of her – it had really bad audio quality. I don't know what happened with that. It's just a lot Dang. of static. That's a good um, opportunity, yeah. man. That's a good teacher right there as a natural hen. Yeah, she definitely was doing an assembly yelp. I mean, hands down. She hit the ground, and she was doing long assembly yelps, you know, 10 to 15 note assembly yelps down there. And, That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it was really cool. And then they kind of gathered back up, and, you know, we sat up there, and we were doing some real soft calling because I didn't want to be too aggressive because we had hens down there. We had gobblers all around us. I'm like, you know, so, sooner or later, something's going to work our way. Well, by that time, it got 730, and, I mean, still these birds are hammering. Like, for an hour and a half, they're just hammering now. And, uh, you know, they're working down the ridge. And finally, it sounded like all five gobblers met down below the ridge. We were on, you know, 150 yards from us, and just were going back at it. I mean, double gobbling, triple gobbling right back at each other. I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, I swear I think we heard over 600 gobbles that morning. I mean, it was unreal. Uh, by far the craziest turkey hunt I've ever been on, uh, which when you hear this episode that we'll have today with Jordan, that was another crazy one. But this one right here was unbelievable just because of how many birds we had gobbling and how vocal they were. It wasn't just like one or two were hot. They were all hot. And uh, But they pretty much were down there below us just going at each other, and finally they started working away, and I decided to get on my box call and uh, gobble on it like we had talked in a couple of previous episodes, guys. And, you know, I, I gobbled on it twice. Nothing responded, but I put the box call down, and within, I don't know, it was three minutes, Greg was about to uh, adjust. He was adjusting a tree branch or something next to us. He leaned over, and all of a sudden these two hens run right up into this opening right where we're at. 
I guess, looking for the gobble that was gobbling. Because, I mean, they came in there within three or four minutes of me gobbling. And uh, Greg froze, and I was like, dude, I'm like, hold on. And they were off to my left. The gu- Greg was sitting to my left, had the camera in between me, and they were off on my left. And I'm just thinking, I'm like, this is what's going to happen. These two hands are on up. A gobbler's going to be behind them. I can't get my gun up and shoot around the camera. And Greg's got his gun, like, in his lap, and he's, like, leaned over him. Like, he can't even get to his gun. So, uh, anyways, but no, they worked past us, uh, and there was nothing following them. And finally, uh, I did a little bit more soft calling, real soft yelps, and I started, I did one cutting sequence and had a bird fire off right down the ridge from us. And that's when you watch the video, guys, that Greg posts. You can you, you hear him respond to us. He gobbles back at us. And uh, he definitely starts working our way. And, you know, he works our way, probably takes him 15 minutes, starts coming our way. He's gobbling. Like every, you know, couple minutes, he's gobbling, getting closer and closer and closer, coming down the ridge towards us. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking, like, you know, I'm, I'm, like, super cool, super relaxed. I'm like, you know, Greg's going to shoot an awesome bird. Or that's what we're, that's what we're playing for. You know, Greg's shooter. I'm, I'm filming right now. No big deal. And then all of a sudden, the bird steps out, and Greg can see him. He's all strutting and everything. And it's still kind of thick, but he can see him strutting. He's like, oh, I see the bird. I see the bird. I'm like, cool, cool, cool. So I try to get the camera on. And he's like, dude, you will not believe it. And I'm like, what? He's like, there's another bird with him. There's another another turkey. And I'm like, there's no freaking way. He's like, I swear to God. He's like, he's, he, and right right then, he's like, he's like, get your gun up. And if you listen to the video, guys, you can hear him say that. He's like, get your gun up. Get your gun up. And the, the problem was, so I was facing like dead east. Greg was facing to the north. And the birds are coming from the north. And I had the camera in between us. So the only, I couldn't shoot really around the camera, so I had to get the ca- the gun up and around the camera in between the camera and the tree. And uh, I don't have a small gun by no means. So uh, they start working in. One's gobbling his brains out in front of us, strutting, just dragging back and forth. The other one's just kind of working up behind him. And we definitely see the one behind him is definitely a Jake. So I'm like, okay, cool. I was like, hey, I'll shoot the Jake. You shoot Longbeard, you know, and that's what we'll do. Well, they come out, and they get to about 35 yards, and he's about to shoot the big one. I'm like, hey, hold on a second. Let's let him work past us a little bit, and then we'll take the shot when they get out in the open and um, adjust the camera for it. I finally – I still have the gun in my lap. I have not yet you know, brought it around the camera, and they step behind three trees, and I quickly get the gun up around the camera, and you can see that in the video. Get the gun up there. It's so tight, I can't even shoulder my gun, but thank God I have a pistol grip on it. So I literally had the pistol grip up by my face, looking down the barrel of the gun, looking at my bead. Okay, and the Jake steps out. I'm like, okay, I got the shot of the Jake. I'm like, hey, can you see the other bird? He's like, no. Finally, the other bird steps out, and I'm like, hey, can you take a shot? And the Jake, by that time, saw something he did not like, and he was like, he's going pop, 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 like definitely doing some uh, alert putts. And uh, it, I was like, they're about to blow out of here. So the second, the other bird steps out, and we get them both like in our line of sight. I'm like, okay, shoot on three, three, or shoot on one, three, two, one, bang. Both shot, both went down. Uh, the bigger one, which Greg shot, uh, made a little, try to make a little run for it, and Greg dropped him on a second shot. And uh, it was, but we run out there, super excited, run out there, and I'm like, all right, cool. He, Greg just killed a big long beard. I got the, uh, I got a Jake. We ran out there, and I step on one head. He gets the other one, and Greg's like, hey, did you get? Is that the long beard? And I look at mine, and mine was the bigger one. He's like, I'm like, no, nah, it's a Jake. And he's like, man, we just killed two Jakes. And I'm like, and we started laughing, like, <laughs> like. It, it was funny because we swear we thought that one that was gobbling his head off and strutting because we couldn't really ever see his tail fan. We just could see his see him blow up and strut. Uh, we we just thought he was a gobbler. We thought he was. A, we just thought he was a uh, a long beard. But it turned out he was a, this is a big body Jake man. I mean, definitely an early hatchling from last year. But uh, man, it made for a great hunt. It was my first turkey. It was Greg's. 
uh, second turkey ever. So, you know, it was a great opportunity, great experience. You know, both of us doubling up, opening morning, like at 8.15 in the morning on public land. I mean, it didn't get better than that. And, I mean, funny thing is, later that day, I mean, there were still birds gobbling all day long. It was crazy, man. And it, it's kind of sad that North Carolina, it's like Alabama, you can only kill one bird a day. Because if it wasn't for that, I think we could have took those birds back to the truck real quick and ran back out there and probably could have got on another one for sure. But uh, it was an unbelievable hunt, dude. That sounds awesome, man. That's the kind of day in the woods that y'all, everybody dreams of. And in the last episode with Scott Ellis, I, I kind of talked to him a little bit about a hunt that I had just had where I royally screwed up and it was right after you killed these two birds where I was on uh, a management area that I don't normally hunt and I went out there and there were several birds just gobbling their heads off and then I had one of them working in right off the roost uh, with a couple hens and I got busted at like 80 yards which was heartbreaking and then I a few hours later I ended up having another one gobbling and uh, had two other turkeys move in behind me going to him and i i just assumed both of them were hens which was a mistake and i'm sitting here and they're like uh less than 10 yards behind me and i just turn and look at them and one of them's a long beard and i was like golly man he took off and flew i think that was the same time you're in north carolina but another i'd mentioned that to go back to the whole thing about burns because that was in a fresh burn still smoking man and they were all in it that burn was still smoking, and they were in there scratching in it, man. Oh, yeah, and that was the cool thing. We actually found, on this piece of property, we actually found, like, two authentic, legit roost trees. I mean, one of them, underneath this one pine tree, I mean, you could not take a single step without stepping on turkey crap. I'm serious. It was unreal. Um, and I'm guessing that was one of the one of the trees that, for sure, one of the gobblers that... Uh, I guess a day before, a couple of hens, they were definitely in that tree a couple of days before. Uh, and the cool thing is, walking through that burn, you can see where they've been scratching because you look what's not black, and you can see where they've been scratching. You walk over there, and you're like, yeah, that's definitely turkeys. You'll find feathers in it and everything. But, uh, yeah, man, those birds were hammering that uh, that burn. That's definitely something I'm going to take to the take uh, to, to note you know, for next year also is this, you know, focus on places that they're going to burn. Or the best thing to do, actually, guys, if you could contact – your local biologist or a forestry uh, management and ask them what parts, especially public land, what parts they're looking to burn or have burned like relatively recently up until season. And then, you know, kind of hunt around that. Cause I think that'd be that. And also clear cuts or cutovers would be, you know, two things I'm definitely gonna be focusing on very hard for next year. Yeah, man, me too. Me too, dude. And I'm looking forward to next Turkey season. This one wore me out, but I had a good time. This is by far my best turkey season ever. Three, I've what? never killed three in a year, and I've never killed a bird as big as my third one. And uh, I, I, it couldn't have been much better, man. Unless I'd killed that one on opening day, that would have made it a little better. But I can't complain. Oh yeah, you've had plenty of opportunities for sure, man. The cool thing is, though, uh, hopefully my season's not gonna be done for a little bit while longer. Again, I'm in Oklahoma right now. I'm gonna try to. Maybe go hunt Oklahoma while I'm here, uh, if I can make it happen. Um, pretty much got uh, some advice from a, a buddy and listener of the podcast to pretty much just drive around. I'm in, uh, I'm in um, Oklahoma City and pretty much drive around, if I get an afternoon free, drive around and literally try to locate some birds on some public or some private land and then knock on doors and try to get access. And then once I get access, buy my permit, buy my license, everything, and then try to go kill that bird quickly. Um so that's kind of my game plan for Oklahoma. But if not, I'm definitely 
almost 100% going to be able to go hunt uh, Ohio, southern Ohio, uh, this next week. Uh, i got to double-check everything on the regs and make sure their season everything's going to line up accordingly with my schedule. But hopefully I'm going to be able to have two to three days in Ohio to go hunt, which should be awesome. Um, but, yeah, guys, so that's pretty much what has been going on lately uh, with both me and Andrew. But, uh, again, guys, this episode is going to be really awesome. And, uh, you know, I, also we appreciate everyone that's, you know, put in for this giveaway we're doing right now with Apex Ammunitions and Indian Creek uh, Chokes. Uh, we've had a unbelievable response with that, guys. And uh, we're proud to be able to pick a winner on this week's podcast. Yeah, man. Uh, very happy to pick a winner. Thanks to everybody who participated. Uh, we got a lot of feedback on it. So we hope that we can bring y'all some more awesome giveaways like that in the future. And huge shout out to Apex Ammunition and Indian Creek Shooting for doing that with us, man. Those are two good companies that we rely on. They don't sponsor us or anything at this point. We just it, We just have always used them because they're good companies. And for as much time as we spend out here and as much energy and money and time as we spend chasing these turkeys, we try to use the best gear that we can afford. And that right now for, for me at least is definitely Indian Creek jokes and apex ammo, man. I love them. I can't, I can't say enough about how much those two go together, man. Uh, Oh, 100%. 100%. But guys, uh, you're gonna have to turn tune in to the end of the podcast, make it all the way through the end of the podcast to find out who won. And then Andrew, I guess you can kind of go over a little bit about how once we name the winner, how uh, they need to get in contact with us to be able to get their prize. Just uh, reach out to us in the next 48 hours uh, and claim your prize. So if you hear your name at the end of this podcast, you got 48 hours to reach out to us. If you don't do that, then we'll pick a new winner. And uh, good luck to everybody who put in. We appreciate it. And uh, you can reach out to us on Facebook, uh, direct messages on Instagram, or you can email us at aloutdoors8 at gmail.com. Uh, any of those three will work. You got two days to do it, so get it done, man. Good luck to the winner. Uh, hopefully you can put the stuff to good use, but without us babbling on any longer, this is going to be a long episode. So let's get right into your interview with Mr. Jordan Barnes from Close Proximity TV. Hey guys, what's going on? So right now I'm with Jordan Barnes from Close Proximity TV in his office right now in southern Georgia. And guys, we just got done with a full weekend of hunting down here uh, in southern Georgia on some public land birds. And they absolutely wore us out. And, uh, you know, that's something that uh, we're going to kind of relate with you all today. And again, kind of talk a little bit, I guess, a little bit more about the suck factor and how hunting can be difficult. But also sometimes you just got to send it. You gotta send it, man. So that's, that's the highlight to this weekend. Is whenever you get that opportunity, you gotta you gotta pull the trigger, or release the air. Exactly. But uh, anyways, so Jordan, uh, let's give us a little rundown of just this weekend, and we'll start with we'll start with Saturday, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. But so Saturday morning, guys, uh, we had talked talked the day before on Friday about kind of what our game plan was. I was driving down here from. South Carolina, trying to make a hunt for this weekend. So Jordan agreed to take me out and you know try to help us get on some birds and just have a good time. So while we came down here, we made the decision we're going to hunt a piece of property that was kind of new to Jordan and the property being pretty, uh, 
I guess a pretty new piece of public land and we went out there and hunted and it was absolutely phenomenal. It was Saturday morning. I mean, birds are hot and we'll kind of go a little bit more into that. But Jordan, what's kind of special about that property that is one reason you think there's a lot of birds on that or just why the birds were maybe so concentrated in that area? Right. Yeah. Not a new piece of property, just a, a new to me, I guess. I haven't hunted that particular public um, a lot. I did hunt it about probably... I want to say three weeks ago, I still have one tag, or no, it was probably two two weeks ago, I still have one Georgia tag left. So I was trying to get that last one done in, on public. Um, and, you know, based on my scout and everything, I knew there was birds there and had a close call with, I think, the same bird that, that uh, I ended up calling in for you twice. Um, but he would not commit to the decoy. He came probably... 35 yards something like that and just hung up and uh and kind of turned around and went the other way so i knew there were some birds there i had not been there off the roost yet this year so i knew though that there should be a good bit of turkeys in there and that's kind of why i wanted to go there i had some other places had had some private land birds we could have got on but you know sometimes if you got a if you got a shotgun it's just it's just fun to just Go out there with a with that's it. Just a you know, if I got a collar, I just want just want a shotgun and just try to go kill kill a turkey. So, well, that's what we did, and and I think um we we should be looking at one in the back of the truck for sure. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's one of the things you learn. You know, you learn. Um, I think that's one thing you probably have learned this weekend is that you can't be worried about being perfect or having a perfect record or or. You know, every turkey you shoot at, you gotta you gotta make sure you kill them perfectly. You know, because hunting is not perfect. Things are gonna happen. You know, things like you could miss a turkey. But I'll give you this example. I think I, I gave you um, this weekend was, you know, Michael Jordan wouldn't be Michael Jordan if he didn't take as many shots as he took. You know, he he had to take those shots to see if he was gonna hit them. Um, and that's kind of, you got to take some of those shots, you know, you know, from this weekend, you got to take those shots whenever you get the opportunity and it's a decent shot, um, you know, you got to take it. Yeah, exactly. And again, you know, back to the whole setup for this weekend, we did decide we were in Chase Public Land Birds the whole time. One reason is uh, we both had the confidence to think that we could make it uh, happen, especially on public land down here in South Georgia. There's a lot of birds. It is they're in pockets, kind of like anywhere else. You got to find the birds. You got to come out there with different tactics, and you really put in a lot of effort to get these birds. Um, you know, sometimes they're not that. You know, shoot one at six forty-five in the morning, ride or fly down. Sometimes you got to put some work into them. But like fourteen point what miles? Fourteen point one miles in two days. Yeah. So and, and yeah. So with that, again, Saturday was it. It, it turned, I guess, say a little brutal after a little while. It could have. Uh, gets ended a little quicker than what it did but we'll kind of go into that hunt so this area we roll up there and you know one cool thing about jordan is his ability to do you know natural uh voice owl and also crow call and that's kind of his go-to locator and we went out there and started owl hooting hiked in what do you think a mile and a half probably about two miles from where he is about two two mile walk to get to the listening spot now, I'll say, coming from central Alabama guys, that, you know, we have a lot of rolling hills and stuff like that. Down here in southern Georgia, it's pretty flat. You know, you got very salt, small uh, rolling hills, if any, at that. So, it wasn't that bad of a walk. You know, you get in there about 20 minutes into it, you get to your spot. 
you know, we let out a couple owl uh, hoots and nothing really, really got struck up. And I think what got them fired up was that screech. And right. that's, that's, yeah. the, that's the coolest thing. Because, like, one thing, guys, you can't really screech on a call, like on an owl hooter stick or anything like that. So, natural voice, you can do that screech. And, man, right when you did that, it was like, what, five birds just fired off. Yeah, if I remember, my memory serves me correctly. I told you um, I owl hooted a few times and a couple birds gobbled. And I looked at you and I said, I know. I have a sneaking suspicion there is a lot more birds in here than what we're hearing. So that's when I said, I'm about to screech and we're going to hear what's in here. We're going to hear exactly how many birds is in here. And uh, when I did, that's when we heard about every turkey around us. You know, it was probably, I think we heard five. At first we heard two and then we heard five uh, different birds that gobbled. So yeah, that that's my go-to, man. I mean, I it's something different. Um, and it, you can yank a gobble out of them if they're anywhere around and they're uh, going to talk that day off the roost. That's that's what's going to locate them. Yeah, and that's kind of cool, another aspect with that, because when I was up in North Carolina, guys, this past week, you know, what we were able to locate the birds with wasn't just a regular aisle hoot or hoot and stick or anything like that. The only thing that we could get them to gobble at was a coyote call. It's a coyote howl. That's the only thing we get them to howl or get them to gobble at. <laughs> And uh, it was just cool in this aspect, you know, they were most receptive for the most part of that screech. You know, we could get them to get, get them going a little bit with the uh, owl, just a regular hoot and, uh, you know, crow call every now and then. But that, that screech really, really helped out really well. But once we located those birds, we really kind of decided which ones we were going to go for. And that was kind of a tough question because you get five birds gobbling at you. You know, they're all you know, general one general direction for the most part off this one side of the road and we just didn't really know which one we were going after so we kind of start hopping down this little uh i guess a little old fire fire lane slash road now dropped down through some shorter pines and got down you know probably 400 yards of these two birds that kind of gobbled and we had the suspicion that you know one was might have been a jake other one was probably long beard and we put what you did something right there and we were able to get that one bird to gobble that we finally got on I want to say I screeched at him again. Yeah. Uh, screeched out again right there. And then the older bird that I, I could tell, uh, that one bird, he gobbled off by himself and he had a rocking. I mean, he's he was rocking a tune. I thought to myself, I said, that, sound, that sounds, that's got to be the same bird that I got on, you know, and uh, a few weeks prior. So I, I'm like a, I don't know, I, once I hunt a bird, if I don't get him, I that's the bird I'm hunting. I mean, if it's the oldest turkey in the woods, that's the one I want to hunt. Um, and so that's the one we went after. He was gobbling a pretty good bit there. Uh, so, you know, we cut down that road, uh, old pine road. We cut down it. And I was kind of checking him every now and again with a crow, natural voice crow. And then we slipped up in a little block of pines there. And um, he gobbled and flew down on the other side of this little branch. Uh, and so that's when we, we advanced, made some ground, and came up to a T where one pine road hit another. And uh, we set up right there off that road, and that bird would keep gobbling across that little branch. And I, I looked at you, I think, then, and I said, you know, it's one of those things where he was over there for probably five minutes rocking a pretty good tune. I said, we probably need to get on that side of the branch with him. Um, and that's when we got up and I normally will sit now. I'm very patient. I normally, like I told you, we, we were patient this weekend in times, very patient, but I told you, I was like, you know, we need to get on the other side. So we decided 
elected to get up and move and we we hit a little gap road that cut through the branch and when we got out to the other side of the branch it was it was more open than I had thought uh, and at that point we kind of backed up and, and faced the direction he was at and the next time he got he was sitting right on top of where me and you first set up. Yeah and that was the crazy thing guys so we finally get up to this branch of a small little creek which is really stagnant water I and mean, that's all it was and like you said you know we definitely wanted to try to get on the other side of the creek because again I, I didn't think that bird was going to cross that seeing how much water was down there and like you said you know we went around and found a little you know access point to get across the other side the second we sit up over there do a couple calls and he's on literally sounded like you within, were sitting in your lap where yeah, you would have been well, like if we would have sat there in our lap for sure just gobbling his brains out and i'm like we're sitting there just looking like got the camera rolling we're like man and that, you know and it's a chess match i mean yeah. that's I love it. That's the thing about an older turkey, and a turkey that's been pressured, been hunted. That's a chess match. You know, it's like the, the table's turned right there. And so we elected to, you know, I told you, I said, we need to just let him gobble, not call again to him. Just let him kind of ease on off like like we're not interested anymore, and he'll kind of ease on off and try to, try to pull us, you know, uh, over there to him. So we let him kind of ease on off. He eased all off maybe – maybe 75 yards from where we needed to get um so then we crossed back over through the gap road and but we could not where he was at we couldn't get to where we had been set up the first time so we had to we had to back up to where we had to come find us you know what i mean and and that's the thing where uh knowing what we know now we could have went even further back and faced him better but we didn't know that other gap road further down where we could have swung wider. We didn't know it was there. So that's one of the things where now hunting that piece of property, I know how to get around on a bird a little bit better. Um, but, you know, you know what happened. We, we slipped up back up there close to where that first little access crossing was where we crossed on him the first time. And we just had to tuck up in some bushes, you know. And we had a little gap to our right that was thick but it wasn't thick enough or he would have to swing a wide loop to the left where you could have shot him um it, it was thick he, he just he could see enough to where he didn't see the hen mm-hmm. and that wigged him out a little bit you well, know what I mean? and also with that spot so where that bird was gobbling at on the side we were previously on it's really open pines right there, or at least a majority of it. And the issue was when we came across that little branch again and started coming up the little hill, it was it opened up pretty quickly. It came out some real thick stuff. It opened up real quickly, and we were worried about getting spotted trying to come up over that hill to get set up where we could shoot that bird. Because, I mean, when he was gobbling, we got on that side. He was no farther than probably 80 yards from us, 80, 100 yards max. Mm-hmm. And we were worried if he came up over that little rise right there to set up on some right. trees, that, I mean, he'd spot you. Yeah. So that's why we elected to again sit back, get back in that thick cover, and I mean, and pretty it, much you're shooting into self defense in that situation, right? And and, it, and we should have hindsight's twenty twenty. We probably should have. I did, I thought it was a little bit thicker to our right, to where he couldn't have seen us, and he'd have swung left. Um, but you know, I had an assumption, and it was it was kind of wrong mm-hmm. because it was a little bit too open. Uh, Looking back, we should have backed up even more and, and let him just come out in that window in the road. Now, we wouldn't have, it'd have been one of those things where as soon as he popped out, he'd have seen us and it'd have been over. You'd have shot. But, you know, that's, and that bird, he came down left and he was only 15 yards uh, from us, max. And I could see the turkey. I could have, you know, shot the turkey 
a gajillion times, you know, because uh, I was on your right, you're on the left. Should have had you on the right, uh, me on the left, but that's that's how it goes. So that turkey left us uh, after that. Well, with that spot, to kind of break it down a little bit more for y'all to get a better idea of the situation, we sat up in almost a little corner of trees and brush right off this little branch where this road, it went parallel to us in front of us and then circled around right next to me, and that's where I was sitting so the only shot opportunities I really had was coming down that road. And it was like the farthest shot I would have was like 20 yards at the most. Everything else, I mean, was going to be like point blank right there, shoot when he came around the corner. And the issue was we started calling. And the second we started calling that bird, who was probably 100 yards from us, I mean, was running at us. I mean, you even saw him running and gobbling. I mean, this bird was hauling butt, gobbling his brains out right to us. And the audio, guys, is phenomenal of this bird running right to us. And he comes to that little split where he can either walk parallel with us to the right and kind of walk away or come down the road and come down to me. Again, in that situation, we're sitting in some pretty thick stuff. Again, we didn't think that that bird would circle to the right through a lot of this thick, you know, cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we thought it would funnel him to the left towards me. Yep. And in hindsight, he did start coming down that road. And right before he was coming to my shoe lane where I could barely see his head, he turned back around and came back in front of Jordan, yep. going back to he the just- right. He didn't see the hen, yep. and and that wigged him out. And then I remember I, I told you, I think you told me, though, he started going right, and, and he got quiet. And then you said, he's he's trying to find a way. And I think we both said it to each other. I said, well, he's trying to find a way to get. He's he's go cutting through that thick stuff. Mm-hmm. He's trying to get behind us. And I thought he was going to walk right down the road right next to you and mm-hmm. get in your lap. But then he went on the other side of the branch again. And so then that's when I told you, it's now or never – I've done this too much. If you got covered between you and it's a bad setup and you can get, you can run from him, run from that joker and go about 40 yards and then turn around on the tree and face him. And the cool thing about that, again, guys, I've never actually ran from a turkey. Um, so that, that whole scenario with us sitting there and that bird, I mean, working within 15 yards of us, I mean, he's, you know, drum, spitting drumming in Jordan's face. I mean, he's gobbling in our face, strutting right there, but I cannot swing the gun because I'm facing to the left. Jordan's on my right, and the camera's right there. So I would have to pull the gun around the camera in between Jordan and take the shot, and it, it wasn't that you know that was not going to happen with that bird that close. So that bird, we kind of let him you know let that bird work off, work down that branch, and again the second we lost sight of him and he was gobbling on the other side, we took off. And the funny thing is, right when we get up and we take off running, that bird gobbles at us, making that noise. And we run again, like Jordan said, about 40, 45 yards, turned around, sat up, super quick. And at that point, we're kind of in much more open pines, and we can see a little bit better. We can kind of cover that road. And we set up, get the camera rolling, everything, and pretty much, I mean, what was the calling sequence for that once we got uh, set up? You know, just, just the working that turkey. You know, I was taking that turkey's temperature. He's gobbling a lot. Um, just simple, plain yelps, you know, is what I was doing. I was, I was cutting some at him, um, just letting him know, hey, uh, I was indeed over there when you came by. What's going on? Let's come. Let's have a date. You know, basically just telling him to come on back. And I'm out here in the open. You'll see me this time. But you know, we set up on the military crest of that little ridge right there, or that I wouldn't call it a ridge. It was a small little hill, um, to where I knew he could easily walk down that road that we were cutting back and forth on, and he would come up that rise. And he, he would have to find that hen right there. And, and by goodness, if he didn't, he came in there and he didn't hang around long. I tell you, uh, he popped his head up. I could have shot him again. I, I know you could have seen bits and pieces of him. 
I think you could see him. He was just moving too fast for you. Yeah, so that, with that setup, again, we back up like that, and we do some super soft calling, and he starts hammering it. He's on the other side of that branch, and he kind of goes quiet for a little bit. We're sitting there, sitting there, got the gun up. He, he gobbles again. He's really not that much closer, just on the other side. And all of a sudden, he, he shuts up again, and he gobbles, and he is right down there, like in the middle of that little road coming across that little branch. And I'm like, it's, it's game time. So get the gun up, get situated. And the next time he gobbles, he's pretty much coming out of that. And all I see is his head. So we're up on this little rise, and there's a little slight, you know, foot and a half drop off that goes down to that road. And when he comes up, all I can see is his head bebopping around on the edge of that little, uh, that little rise. And that's all I can see. He's bouncing up around, and he's booking it. I mean, this bird is, comes up that road, and he's like, I mean, the best way to describe it is like bebopping. I mean, he's just kind of like bouncing around. Moving pretty steady. Yeah, moving pretty steady. I mean, he's on the move for something. And I got the gun on him, and all I can see is a little head just bebopping around, and I, I don't shoot. And Jordan's like, shoot, shoot, shoot. And you hear that on the audio. And the next thing that the bird does, he like runs up on the little embankment you know, across from us and gets up on there. And that's when I should have pulled the triggers. Right when he went up that embankment, popped him 25 yards. I didn't. In my mind, thinking that he's going to stop, hopefully, right there, I can pull the shot off. Well, he doesn't stop. He goes right up to that little embankment. I mean, pauses maybe for a quarter of a second and then keeps going. And this, I mean, he's still kind of like, he's not running, but he's not walking. Just he's, moving. he's just bebopping around. Mm-hmm. And he kind of goes to that thick cover. And the next time I have a, a shot at him, he's at probably 65, 70 yards going down the road away from us, gobbling, you know, as he's walking away uh-huh. from him. Yep. So at that point, you know, I look at Jordan, Jordan's like, why'd you not shoot? <laughs> And I guess you can kind of take over. Oh there. gosh, I'm thinking. Oh, it's the second time. And you know, it's 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 one of those things where you gotta you gotta hunt where you're comfortable and stuff. And and, and obviously you weren't comfortable with that shot. Um, and that might be something where you just you know you shoot shoot sport clay rabbits. Is I told you is a good thing for that. Um, practice your your trade a little bit. You know, if you don't, and I don't think you you wing shoot a whole lot. You don't really hunt doves or ducks or anything like that. But that's where you know picking up something like either dove hunting or, or sporting clays or something like that is good because, you know, it helps you in that moment where you got a, a right to left shot. You just kind of instinctively shoot that shot. Um, but but then again, I mean, you never know till you try. I mean, you could have missed him because you weren't comfortable, but you could have you could have killed him. You know, it's one of those, try not the Monday morning quarterback it too much, but we also want to take something positive away from it. So I think, I think now you know that that type of situation is not the norm with turkey hunting. I mean, normally turkeys will kind of slowly come find you, um, and they won't be moving that quick because, honestly, that turkey was a different turkey. I haven't had too many that, that run up there to you and don't see anything and run away and go. I mean, he was kind of a weird, yeah. I call I guess I nicknamed him Spook, but he was kind of a weird turkey. I mean, he, he wants to see something so bad, and that might be a situation where a decoy could have helped us. I, we... Our goal was to get the turkey in there within shotgun range without it, and we did that. And you know, we twice, just, twice, <laughs> and we just had a, you know, uh, one of them things where you just got to send it, really. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the whole topic for this uh, episode: is just send it and know when you need to take your shots. And that's one of those things that you know, looking back at it now, I, I'm pretty sure I could make a shot like that. It's just at that moment, I'm thinking in my head, kind of assuming how that bird's going to react coming up the hill. I'm thinking he's going to come up the hill, kind of start looking around. The second he starts looking around, standing there, I'm going to shoot him. That never happened. He came up over that hill and just was constantly moving. It caught me off guard, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Again, I was not ready for that. I didn't think that's how he's going to react because the first time we saw him, 
he was kind of like walking real slow, pausing, strutting, that kind of stuff. So that's how I thought he'd react, and I couldn't have been more wrong. I mean, he came up there. The first time, it's it's a progression. With a, with a gobbler, especially on public, you know, the first time we had the chess match, the cards were played, and, you know, we, we got him. Mm-hmm. In my mind, that tur- that's a dead turkey. And he didn't see the hen, and he moved off. Mm-hmm. So that's where he's thinking to himself, mm, I'm going to come see you, but I ain't trying to stay around as long as I did last time. Mm-hmm. So that was, and really that's my fault. I should have had you in a lot better, uh, a lot better situation the first time that we had to work that turkey from a good spot. And, and, and that's the problem. The best thing to take from it is the first time you were that turkey, when he's hot and you're working him, is your best opportunity to kill that turkey. So that's where, you know, we could have swung around wider and approached him from a little bit different angle. Mm-hmm. You know, if we we'd have been sitting where we were the second time, the first time, uh, and we just moved back some instead of moving across a branch, then it would probably, in my opinion, I think that turkey would be dead right now. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And that's another thing is like really learning about you know, picking, trying to pick your spots as good as possible when you're setting up, especially if you already know there's a bird working to you, try to make that quick decision of where you need to set to give yourself the best opportunity. And as we talk a little bit more throughout this episode, you're going to understand how that's a huge factor and, you know, kind of what happened to us. And this is on Sunday, you know, what happened with another situation with probably that same bird and how our location, our spot that we set up on kind of hindered us along with maybe some uh, camouflage malfunction, which we'll talk a little bit about that. And and that's another good point is you saw this weekend, the progression of how I hunt a pressured turkey. You know, I start off one way, okay, had a close call, didn't sit, and a lot of times you got to see how hard it is with the bow because, you know, if if you notice the first and second time, there was no bow opportunity for Mm -hmm. me. If I had another tag and I wasn't tagged out, I wouldn't have been able to shoot that turkey. Now, I didn't have a decoy, how would he have reacted? But with a bow or gun, it wouldn't matter because that turkey wasn't coming, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, A decoy could have helped or hurt. But it's just one of them situations where um, he had seen a strutter with me one time, and he didn't come then, so why is, why would he come now? Well, with yeah. that being said, actually, so talk about uh, real quick before we jump into the second part of this hunt of, you know, your, I guess, history with this location, possibly with that same bird, and what happened the last time you were in there on a bow hunt. So, so the last time I went in there, um, I just uh, went to one spot. Someone was already there, so I drove a long ways and went to another spot got out, started walking two miles in there. Oh, and what I, I think what you got to see this weekend, kind of how I do things and everybody does things a little bit different, but what I do is I cut and walk and move and cut as I'm walking and I'm listening, just like that hen does. That's natural. Uh, the odds to get a bird struck up, in my opinion, are a lot higher if you're walking, constantly calling and listening as you're going, just like a hen is. When she's searching for company, I'm pleading. I'm asking those gobblers, tell me, baby, Tell me where you at because I'm ready for a date. You know, that's kind of what I did. And I was moving down that road and I struck him up, fired him up. He was where we were listening at. Mm -hmm. He was another 250 yards around that bend. And I set up in the road, put the decoy out, set up, sat there for a while. Uh, It was kind of like one of those whoever speaks first loses types deals. 20 minutes went by, I shut up on him, how I normally work most turkeys. And... He swung in behind me. He had that whole road he could have come down. He made a big loop in the pines and came in behind me. 
I was 250 yards from him, and he came behind me, and I could have swung a gun or something if I had one and shot him, but he came about 30 yards behind me and flared off, and that was that was it, you know. But, well, with that being said, you know, it seems like these birds that we were hunting this place is definitely high-pressured. I mean, they've seen different looks. They've seen and heard different calls. They've probably been busted multiple times by the other hunters. And that's one thing you got to realize when you're hunting public land is, you know, not really necessarily doing anything different, but you got to be, you have to have all your cars aligned and do everything perfect to make it happen. Because if you mess up on one aspect or, or something like that, uh, you can ruin a whole hunt, which is kind of like what happened uh, this morning. But to get back on the Saturday's hunt, after that bird walks off and starts gobbling, he starts working away. We sit there for a little bit. We're like, you know, let's let him, let's let him get out there a little bit and then circle around him and get back on that bird. We sit there for probably 10 minutes, and he's still gobbling. I mean, probably every three or four feet, that bird's gobbling, keep going. So we decide to get up, go down this other road that's paralleling him, get down to where the road cuts back up towards him, and get set up and try to call him towards us because he was already working this way to this other little logging road. Mm -hmm. So we get to that spot. We get you know concealed and everything, and we're sitting there looking down that road, and I think you, you yet let out a couple uh, – I don't know if it was whines or a couple uh, yelps, and he just fired off right there in the middle of those pines. Right, yeah, he did. And that, and in that situation, we kind of, I wanted him to come around a bend in the road, and we got in a great. Now that setup was awesome. If we'd had a setup like that, the first setup, it, it would have been donezo, game over. But he was coming. But I think what happened a lot of times, you know, y'all can relate to this if you find it long enough at any amount of time turkey hunted it doesn't take long that gobbler gobbled up some hens and those hens went to him and after that it was you know it was over pretty much um and that bird went uh south southwest of there and that's where the direction he was moving and then this morning i told you i said that bird's probably gonna be roosted on that end in the morning mm -hmm. and when we got in there this morning we got to the listening spot and I think we heard a faint, faint gobble way down there. He had progressively moved on down another six, seven hundred yards from where we hunted him, you know, on on Saturday. So when he when he did that, we struck out towards him to get tight to him quick. <clears throat> well, well, again, before we jump into that hunt, uh, with that next setup where we did sit up where those birds or that one gobbler kind of got in between us on this little logging road, we get set up in. You know, after probably, oh man, maybe five minutes, just calling, he gobbled, and we kind of shut up because we're thinking he's going to work down this road. Jordan didn't catch it, but I caught him walking across, probably at 100 yards, walk across that road real quickly, kind of like what he's doing earlier. He looked down the road real quick, and he kind of bebopped across, and then gobbled on the left side of the road. We set up there, and every, you know, little bit, we were just calling at him real softly and just, you know, got that bird worked up to the point where he was gobbling at us, but... And he was working down towards us through his thick pines, but he got hung up probably about 80 yards, and he would not move. He would not budge. He Every time we give him the gobble, he'd be in that same spot, would not move at all. And all we needed him to do was step out in this road, work down us a little bit, and he was within gun range. And the crazy thing is, after probably, I don't know, 15 minutes of working that bird right there, and him consistently gobbling this one spot was not working down to us, Jordan decides you know, to get up go back down the road away from this bird and start calling and go around the bend and just start working the other direction, trying to pull this bird to him back across the road from the way he came from. Well, we did that. Jordan got up, started working down. 
And he was calling, and Goddard responded to him one time. But other than that, nothing happened. Jordan probably worked, I don't know, probably 150, 200 yards from me. I, I went about 250, 300 yards. Okay. And, and, and really, uh, we didn't call that – on that third setup, we did not call that much at all to that turkey. I mean, I toned it down big yeah. time just because of how the first and second time went. I toned it down a lot. Did not call a whole lot at all, very minimal. Um, and at that point – I didn't know he had had a hand yet, so I decided to go away. But obviously, that probably would have worked if he didn't have gobbled up a few hands came to him. Um, we could have used that to our advantage, and that's a good strategy that I will implement. But yeah, it just we had to hunt that turkey the next the next morning. Exactly, and you know that bird finally goes quiet on us. Jordan comes back and you know is asking you know what happened. I'm like, dude, the bird just shut up and just you know I'm I'm guessing a hen came into him. We thought we heard a hen back to our left. Uh, you know, kind of, you know, south of where that bird was uh, doing some, I guess, real soft yelps. And, you know, we think, a, you know, a hen or two worked up to him. He kind of shut for the rest of the day. So we circled back around, and that's when we put some some boots to the ground. Oh, uh, yeah. So, went to another piece of public, walked about three miles or so, got to the very back of the place. I knew there would probably be a bird there. And uh, I want to say we – I looked down at a dust bowl, we both saw it, and there was breast feathers in the dust bowl, and that's why I looked at you, I said, this is fresh, and I called, like, as you were taking a picture of it, I did, like, some real soft, I always like to start off soft when I'm calling, I'll start off soft, don't get an answer, I'll kind of up it from there, and uh, that's when that bird gobbled by, like, 80 yards from us, he had just been there with a hen, mm-hmm. I think, and we just did a Geronimo in the ditch, and got set up and uh next time he got he was 350 yards away so that hen sometimes those hens they just don't like any other company and if you yelp they're gone i mean they're gonna take the bird the other way exactly and that's one thing i really learned out of this hunt was you know call softly and call realistically i mean a hen's not constantly yelping the whole time and she's not always doing it at like you know you know, level 10 volume, you know, a lot of times it's at level two or three or maybe four. And that's consistently where those birds are, you know, talking, you know, throughout the day. And that's one thing that Jordan, you do a lot, which is really cool is when you're walking, kind of like you talked earlier, you're constantly making some small noise. And I mean, we kind of, that's how you get that bird kind of fired up. We kind of stopped there, took a picture and you started doing some of those soft calls. And a lot of those, the weep woo or little feeding wines and, and things like that. Like I'm, when I'm, Looking for a turkey to hunt, I try to be a turkey. Yep. It only makes sense uh, to, to when you're walking, you, you want to be the hen. I mean, you're turning, clucking, and, and just little small, soft yelps as you're walking. You'll pause, and you're listening, and you're just walking, and you're just covering ground. Just just how that hen does. And, and doing that will strike way more turkeys for somebody if they'll do that. If they'll paint that picture is really what we want to do. Well, especially, you know, if you can paint that picture, maybe that bird hears you from a couple hundred yards away doing that. And then as you work closer to him, he gets a little bit hotter, a little bit hotter. And finally, you know, he does a vocalization and he's gobbling at you. Uh, so I think that worked out well for us. But, you know, with that scenario where we were on that separate piece of property, other piece of public, got in there, that bird gobbled, you know, hit the ditch. And, you know, he pretty much worked away from us. You know, found a lot of good sign there. We pretty much got back out and found a ton of dust bowls. That's the first place I've ever hunted before and seen legit dust bowls. I mean, there was... I think we count. I think I counted five or six on that piece of property, just up and down these little roads. 
And that's the cool thing about this area where honey is, you know, it's really sandy. You know, there's plenty of areas for these birds to be able to go dust. Uh, so I don't know if that's actually a tactic that probably some people use to actually hunt on, but I could see that maybe being effective Man, in some I'll tell locations. You what, if I had a tag right now, I would be right back in there where those bust, the dust balls were. I'd be in there around 12 to 3 o'clock. I mean, that's that's that magic time where those turkeys are going to come off the fields, they're going to come off the woods, they're going to get on those little roads, they're going to walk those roads, they're going to go to those dust bowls, things like that. I mean, at some point, turkey, call, turkey calling is such an awesome part of turkey hunting, but it is called turkey hunting. And I think some people can miss that if they don't pay attention to, to, to like the little key things right there that can help uh, their game out. Is, is really, you know, like I say, is just paying attention to that sign and adjusting your game plan based on that. Um, that could be a really good, really good area. Uh, and like you said before, walking and calling and all that stuff as you're moving, it's soft stuff. Just about, I call it turkey tone, normal turkey tone. Well, that's that magic bubble that I, I was telling you about is that when, when you invade that magic bubble, that's when you're going to get a response. He's not going to gobble. Some turkeys won't gobble at 500 yards from you, 400 yards from you, 300 yards from you. But once you enter that 250, 200 zone, you're just walking around trying to that bubble, trying to hit that turkey with that magic bubble, and that's when you'll get that that answer. Yeah, and I think that's really effective, and we really saw that this weekend, especially with me hunting with you, and not really ever you know thinking about that aspect of it is. You know, some birds, you know, sometimes you'll get a real hot bird, especially early in the morning, that might would gobble. Like, we had some gobbling, you know, four, five, six hundred yards. You know, I think we had one that was almost at 650 that we tried to get back on. And, you know, that's cool and all, but when you go midday, you know, a lot of times you gotta get, like you said, within that bubble and get close to them and paint that picture of realism that that bird is really thinking there's a hen up there working, you know, this road or this trail, this like that and he's gonna get fired up. And really, I think that could help you out, be super successful. That's something I'm gonna to try to do, but the thing is, you just gotta be able to call real softly and just real realistically. And that's the thing is, you know, turkey hunting is predominantly all about calling, okay? It's about mastering calling more so than anything else. Because once you can call and you get comfortable doing that and get the confidence to be able to call, you know, that's when I think your success level is going to be able to go at least getting birds within range and fooling them. Because you got to fool the bird to get them within range to be able to kill them. You, I mean, every now and then you can get lucky and, you know, kind of wing it. But you got to fool that bird, especially the older birds on public land, to get them in. And that's the thing about hunting public land. I mean, we're hunting birds with a Ph.D. in survival. And that is the, that is the absolute sure. truth. And, and you saw this weekend, I mean, it took a lot of trying to add realism into conversations with these turkeys just because, I mean, a turkey is pressured and he's a Poland turkey, at the end of the day, he is a turkey. And he does have the brain the size of a, a peanut. So, you know, if you can paint that picture with realism in your calling, I mean, we had birds in front of us this weekend and, and we, we yelped them up. I mean, did, did woodsmanship have a key role in, in these hunts? Yeah, it did. Um, it, it, it did, but and if we had not had a little bit more wisdomship, we could have maybe had got a little bit better read on them. But I don't think without the calling, I don't think those turkeys are coming up to us uh, this weekend. But it's a lot of things. It's a recipe that you try to try to throw everything in there. It's like a pie. You, you got different ingredients. You got to have the sugar to make it. You have to have a certain amount of sugar to make it real that perfect pie. You can put a little bit in there. It might be okay. 
But it, you know, so all the little ingredients that have to go into it for a really good recipe. That's kind of that's kind of how we looked at it this weekend. And that's that's so true. I mean, it's the aspect of again having all your cars aligned, especially on public land, guys. And that's kind of this episode we're focused on. That is, on public land, you have to have all your cards aligned and have everything, you know. Again, this align to be able to have it happen like that. Because, I mean, you can go out there. I, I talk to guys. I know guys, even myself, gone out there and kind of just winged it and, you know, could make it happen or, you know, get opportunities to make it happen. But to be able to consistently get on birds like, you know, like Jordan, you got to have all your cards aligned, everything aligned, so you can go out there and consistently get on birds, especially on public land. That's one thing I was really impressed with was how often and how consistently we were on birds this weekend on public land because, you know, back home we're hunting super pressured birds that, you know, at certain parts of the season they're not even talking. I mean, you could go multiple days without hearing a bird gobble. And out here it's like just striking them up at the right time of the day with the right call to really get them fired up, to get them going. And that's pretty much what, you know, we really did this weekend. But to kind of finish up that day, uh, you know, the rest of the day, we kind of went back around and tried to roost some birds uh, back in that first piece of property we hunted that morning. Had no luck at all roosting birds. It was kind of overcast. Well, we did hear one way far off that I screeched at the gobble. I will say that, okay, that is correct. I was wrong. Very, right before last light, we were able to locate a bird that was on a adjacent property. Uh, I mean, so far, I mean, that bird was... The last time I think we had him gobble, he might have been 400 yards, and we were standing pretty much on the boundary. Um, so other than that, you know, we didn't have any luck at all trying to roost any birds uh, Saturday evening. And then this morning, you know, kind of after worn out, after, you know, hiking a little over 14 miles yesterday, uh, definitely was a little reluctant to get up this morning. And we got out there maybe a little bit late. I know I was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, to kind of uh, start the morning off and I um, – Hmm. I guess you could say uh, on a, a bad note, I hit a deer with Jordan's truck on the way out this morning. And I'll say, thank, thankfully, he's got a brush guard, but uh, we still have to put a claim into that to old uh, State Farm. A little shout out to State Farm for that. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's my, I had someone hit and run uh, two weeks ago and out of this, but that's, hey, that's, it ain't your fault, man. Anybody would have hit that deer. I mean, uh, it's it's why you have insurance, so we'll we'll take care of it. Um, yeah, bent the brush guard a little bit too, but you got insurance, it'll take care of it. Not a big deal. Um, if I was sitting in the driver's seat, uh, you elected to kind enough to drive for me because I was tired. I was going to try to catch some shut eye on the way there, and you know we hit a deer. So it, it is what it is. No biggie, but yeah, I guess I forgot about that when we got on that same turkey. Yeah, I was going to say, I, we forgot about a lot of stuff, especially my freaking legs being like rope bands so tight this morning. I'm talking about like cramping up, everything's just all, I mean, you, I lost you, man. You're a freaking athlete. We were hiking out this morning, guys, late, and I saw Jordan put some freaking distance in between me. He's trying to get out there, trying to locate some birds, dude, and I was struggling. My legs were so tight, so cramped up. I mean, I have not walked that far in a, in a good minute, And uh, but we got out there, and you know, at first struggled to really find some birds. Um uh, it was not nearly as cold this morning. It was in low 60s, where yesterday was in the, uh, or Saturday was in the, you know, mid 40s. And, you know, we really kind of struggled to get some birds to gobble back in that same area. And we really had to work a little bit farther down. And finally, we were able to get one to gobble that was way out there. Same one. 
Well, yeah. we, we we found out we were pretty sure it was the same one after this this scenario. What happened? But you heard that bird. We got super fired up from that point. Kind of forgot about the pain. Forget about how tired we were and everything else. Took off after this bird, and we started working down that road. And I'll let you kind of take over from well, there. Well, yeah, we we were at the listening spot from day one, and I screeched, and the bird gobbled six hundred yards from the the first spot we listened to. So the first morning we were at the listening spot and we went left. This bird was the same bird because he was gradually going right. All right, from the listening spot later in the day when we left him, he was going that direction. He did gobble one last time going that direction. So I knew that's probably about where he was going to be. And he gobbled about 600 yards further down to the right. And that's when we cut in the woods instead of walking the road. We cut in the woods just because, you know, a lot of people, they probably walk that road and call that turkey. And if you're on a road a lot of times calling from a road, those those turkeys aren't stupid. I mean, they kind of know, uh so I like to just add a little bit more realism. I walk through the woods and kind of, I was calling a little bit, walking through the woods. And if you remember, we were walking through there and we could see where those turkeys were yesterday. When they left us, when they were locked down with the hen, that third setup, when he was off that road and he started working way down south, that's, we saw all the fresh scratchings. You could see very fresh scratchings, mm-hmm. a bunch of them. And we came out and we came on that pine road that interior pine road, and that's when we saw all those scratchings under these certain trees. I think it was willows. It wasn't a willow. I think it was cherry trees. Yeah. There was all these scratchings isolated under those cherry trees. So apparently there's some bug or something that's on those cherry trees. But all that scratching right there, I looked at you. That bird was gobbling. He was gobbling way on in there. And I, I looked at you, and I said, this is where we're going. This turkey's going to come here. This is fresh. I mean, you can still see the draft. You can see the claw marks in the sand, in the dirt, where he was scratching. Well, all those turkeys and hens, they were all scratching right there in that area. I mean, you could tell they were there yesterday even. Yeah, it was definitely a location that was very, very hot with sun, guys. I mean, you got in there, and it just screamed turkeys. I mean, not only was there a ton of just, you know, scratchings everywhere, but, I mean, he just looked at that perfect place. That bird would come down, strut on the road a little bit, you know, show off his little tail fan, and, uh, you know, definitely a place that, you know, these birds would definitely come to congregate. So after we did some calling at this one spot right there on the road, which so happens was right where that bird really came and, out and, at. And, and, and I called softly all the way to that road, yep. and I called one time loud enough that he should have gobbled, and he didn't. I don't think he gobbled, nope. did he? He nope. didn't gobble. So I told you, I said, um, and a good point is, you know, we're turkey hunting. Mm-hmm. So it's not all calling. It's it's a part of knowing have that instinct to when you need to sit down and stay somewhere. And you know, I looked at you, you looked at me, and we sat down. And next thing we we knew is five minutes later he gobbled. He was closer. And then five minutes later he gobbled. He was closer. He was coming there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely. You could definitely tell by. You know, him gobbling, he definitely heard us that morning when we were down in that area and that scratching calling. And the, the situation was, you know, it's pretty open pines there. Uh, and we had to make somewhat of a little ground blind for us to sit in to be able to stay hidden. So, you know, Jordan found this dead pine tree. This is, you know, still pretty early on before that bird was really getting hot. Sit up behind us, you know, cut some limbs and really made us a little like ground blind right there for the camera and for me. And, you know, we're sitting there just watching this road, watching all the scratchings. And like, like you said, you know, the birds started gobbling. Started yeah, gobbling. not a blind, but just, we just took, we just cut some, uh, some privet and things and put it around his legs because yeah. his legs were kind of exposed. Um, I put a P90 
piece of a fern around my camera tripod mm-hmm. and another piece of little oak uh, leaves around that tripod. So it wasn't like we were, we didn't have a pop-up line, nothing like that. Yeah. Don't have that. Just cutting a few little things, kind of break up our outline a little bit because we're off a of pine road, you know, open pines. Yeah. I thought that was, I thought we were, <laughs> I, I thought we were concealed over the top, really. Until, yeah, we had a failure on uh, on my gear list. So, but before we get into that, you know, this bird's coming in. He's coming in hot. You know, he's gobbling, you know, probably every five minutes. is slowly coming down to us. And you can definitely tell he's coming our way. He's working our way. And we're looking down a long pine road, maybe 100 yards long, and it has a bend in it. Yeah, it bends to the right. So we can't see, you know, to the right. Well, we're sitting there, find that bird. He gobbles and like he's on the road. He's coming down that road right to us. And, you know, got the gun up and everything, gets situated. And... That bend in the road is like right at about 85 yards or so. So we're sitting there, and again, we haven't talked ever since we sat down with no call and nothing. And he keeps coming. You know, he's pinpoint the location where we're going. Let him come. If if a turkey is coming to me, I can either see him and he's coming after I've called. It don't matter if I called 30 minutes ago, or I can hear him gobbling and he's progressively getting closer. I'm not saying a word. There's there's no point for me to say anything to that turkey at that point. And really, the only the main thing where I failed on that situation, which if he didn't see, you know, your leaf really white, whitish color. I mean, it's really light, light, light color. Yeah. I think he saw that because um, I've I've never had a turkey do that to me in all my my leafy suit and all that. Yeah. Never had that. But when he was when I noticed he was getting a little bit closer, a little bit closer, we could have easily moved up mm-hmm. closer to him when he came around the road, and that's what I should have I should have done that. But looking back at that, that's like that was a that you know might have been a point to be made to maybe move up a little bit closer. But it was so open. If we moved up, I mean, you were you you'd be sitting out. No matter yeah, no matter where you set up at, you know, pretty much your the whole hope of that was sit up close enough so the second he comes around the bend or comes into some thicket, he's right there within gun range. And the second he pops there, you know, you're taking I'm taking the shot. But you know that bird comes around the bend. And literally, Jordan's like, I see him. The second he says, I see him, that bird comes out and goes directly away from us, trotting again, or like bebopping. Like he was, he, he saw something he did not like. Second came around that bend, 85 yards, and went the opposite direction. And we sit there, and Jordan's like, I cannot believe that. And I, we're both like, I cannot believe that bird. He just came around there, looked, did not like the situation, and just took off the other way, like running away from us. Like 85 yards, Sean. I mean, yeah. he saw, he had to see something. He saw something he did not like. Exactly. And we were sitting there afterwards. We're like just dumbfounded of the situation. You know, I had like privet hedge that we cut that was laying over my legs, you know, up my torso or like at the base of my torso. And, you know, Jordan had it, you know, had some, you know, covering the camera and everything else. So he could like, you know, still see, but he's, you know, concealed. And we were thinking maybe, maybe he saw the camera and we're looking at it. Like we took back, stepped back, you know, took some photos and stuff. And like, I don't think he saw the camera. And then we started walking down. I was like, you know what? This leaf suit that I've been wearing, guys, for two days now, I've had this suit for a while, and I normally just wear the top piece, okay? It is, I don't know who makes it, and anyways, but it's very, very light, like light brown, like highlight. It's like... It's more white, I think, than it's brown. It, it, it almost looks faded to the point where, like, late in the wintertime, it blends in fine with leaf litter on the ground when it's sunny. 
Other than that, it is super bright. When you're hunting pines, and as you know, a lot of us from the south understand, pines are pretty dark in there. You know, everything's pretty dark colored. You know, the bark to pine needles. There's nothing really light in a pine forest. Mm-hmm. Well, me seeing up against a tree, and we took some photos of my arm up against a pine tree. Man, it sits out like a freaking store. It's like sword a white flag, man. Dude, it, it stands out so bad. And it, I, I should have known that before, and I think I did in my. You know, I don't always speak my mind, uh, believe it or not, but <laughs> I think in my subconscious when I saw you have that on the first day, I was kind of like, what the? It's a little you light. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. kind of white right there, but I didn't really think, yes, leafy. It looked yeah. good with the leafy part of it. But you know, I always wondered, though, I wonder if that's why the bird did the same thing on the on the first two setups. And he circled. Yeah, exactly. Because the first two setups, he kind of didn't hang around long once he saw... He didn't, and I know he had to see you mm-hmm. because you was sitting right there. So no, and that should have gave you my green extra leafy top right there. Maybe we'd have the turkey, but yeah, yeah. guys. So, so cool thing about Jordan, his setup, which you know, last time I interviewed him, we we talked about this. So he uses a super super green leaf suit, okay. And you know, some guys look at it like, oh man, that's too green for turkey season. When I say he could stand in some privet hedge or like holly bushes, and I mean legit disappear, that's what happens. You see, like if he's not wearing a face mask, you don't you see all you see is your, his face. I mean, it's unbelievable how well it blends in. And actually, it works really good even in pine forests where everything's real dark because there is a lot of like just small green shrubbery around these trees, mm-hmm. like small little privet hedge, and it look makes him look like. You know, some perfect hedge sitting up against a tree, growing next to the tree. I mean, if you had to take away, if you had to give me one thing plus my bow and camera, um, I'm not putting any ornamental ivy and any of that stuff. I'm taking a green leafy suit, and that's it because it's got the leaves on top. You put over your head too. Yeah. So I mean, that leafy suit by far is it's a game changer for me. I mean, that's how I. That's how I get them at five yards, and they don't have a clue. And, and see, that's one thing I'm gonna have to change, which I, I'm definitely trashing this uh, this leaf suit. But I'm I'm gonna have to get something similar to what you're using, just because the versatility of it, but also for just pure concealment. Because I mean, what I was doing with this was not cutting it, and we really did notice afterwards like how bad that stood out, especially in these pines. <laughs> which in hardwoods, it's okay. Like it's like if you set up against a big white oak, you, I've got uh, a feeling your fine. success rate's about to go way up. I, I hope so. I hope so. Because not to be honest, I th- I don't use that leaf suit all the time. Have but, you ever had any other turkeys flare off like that? I need to ask Andrew to confirm. Probably, I got. But my thing is sometimes I forget when I'm actually wearing that. But like. That's definitely something that I can see that, you know, mm-hmm. could cause. Another situation, when we were in North Carolina, me and Greg were hunting, we had that leaf suit around the camera arm, and, like, me and him were, like, blended, we had, like, you know, cover all around us on this tree. The second those two jakes walked out, mm-hmm. they were, pop, 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 pop. dude, they were, they, they saw something they did not like. And I suit. bet you it was that leaf suit on that camera. God, the only reason I say that, yeah. only honest reason, is because yeah. I have, I mean, I have pro- it takes probably twenty five different gobblers to get in front of me every year for for me to get three shot opportunities off with a bow and filming and all that. So if I want to kill my limit, I have to fool at least twenty five or it, it varies year to year. It just depends. Probably half it might it may not may not be that many. Uh, it's close to it though because. Mm-hmm. You know, I might miss one or something like that. But 
and I have to do the math on it, but it's a lot of gobblers that have to get, come up to me. And I, that's probably accurate. It's probably 25 to 30 because I have some that have hens with them in a situation where they, they give me a look at 50 and they're just not into it or some kind of situation. So, yeah, I probably have close to 30 that would see come to within shotgun range where I can get three birds down. Um, sometimes it's not as many off the rip, and then i got to really work for that third one. But I have never had, and I repeat, I have never had a turkey pop out, look at me with the eye, with the ivy and the green, leafy seed and all that stuff, and then check out like that. At 85 yards. At, at 85. That's I mean, crazy. That's, He's looking down there. It's got. That's the only reason I say it's got to be that thing. Got, it's got to. And the thing, if it's thing, not, I need to change what I'm doing. Yep. Because, you know, and I, I haven't ever had a problem. So well, I don't know. definitely, and like we got down there where that bird was, and we stood back and looked at where we were. My man, we were so concealed out there. I'm like, it had to be the leaf suit, and he just saw my top portion. And as light colored as it is, he probably could see the outline of my arms, my shoulders, and everything like that. And this, yeah, it threw him off, and he was like not having it because he probably maybe remembered of that shade of color up against a pine tree like that from the day before. It was like, no, done. And yeah, he, and I mean, we sometimes we give turkeys way too much credit, but I mean, a pressure turkey just not that long ago, I mean, yeah, I mean, they don't have to remember that so much is they just look over there and they see that white and they're like, you know, done. done. Yeah. Especially with it, it's moving a little bit. I mean, even though you're still, you're breathing heavy and it's on your chest, I mean, that little tiny bit of movement and it's white, it's got to be. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm probably 100% sure of that. So if anyone wants a leaf suit, guys, I'll send it to you right now if you want to. Hey, giveaway right there for you. <laughs> yeah, page, giveaway, right? guys. We'll do a giveaway with that leaf suit. If you kill a bird with it, we'll have to. Pick someone you really don't like and let them win. Exactly. That's what we're going to do. I'm going to send it to somebody I don't like and be like, hey, here you go. Have fun with it. <laughs> but uh, anyways, but you know, that's that's kind of how this morning went. I mean, we had this bird in us, you know, in our lap, or it was coming to our laps until he saw, I guess, me. And, you know, the setup was fine, you know. Yeah, we could have done this, could have done that. You know, got a little closer, maybe. But in the time, of the, you know, the time of the hunt and in the moment, you know, we did what we thought was best for that situation. That's the thing, you know. Do don't go against common sense of what you're thinking of that situation, uh, and really don't overthink situations. That's one thing I've struggled with in the past. Keep it simple. Keep it simple, stupid. Kiss. Yeah. Yep. And uh, that's something that Jordan preached a lot on this hunt is you know do stuff the simple way. Don't overcomplicate anything and. Hopefully, you're going to have more success with that. You know, the more time you're overthinking stuff, you make it complicated, the more struggles you're putting for yourself to, you know, try to help yourself be successful. And that's what it comes back down to, you know, send it. You know, sometimes you got to take the shot. I mean, you get the opportunity, you know, 25 yards, 30 yards. You know, even if he's bebopping around, you, you need to be comfortable enough with your gun, become one with your gun practicing. And that's one thing. I don't practice with a shotgun at all. I don't, I don't wing shoot or anything. That's, that's bad. Um... But if you practice enough with your firearm or with your bow and you're comfortable with it, you should be able to make those shots with no problem. You know, he's on the mood, pull up, shoot, point, aim, shoot. And that's one thing that really hindered us. I mean, like you said, we should have a bird. You know, he should be hanging up right now behind us. You know, on my just, uh, porch there, on my little rope there. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. your, your uh, turkey rope. So that's just one of those things, guys. You, you got to know when you need to take a shot how to go about your setups and try to pick the best set possible in the situation that you're put in and really just make your calls realistic. I mean, like you said, when you're working down a road or something, you're doing little soft clucks, you're doing little, you know, winds, 
uh, or weep woo. And, uh, yeah, and just, I mean, just doing that down the road real quietly to kind of play that off, especially if you're making noise. And one thing I saw that you, I noticed you do, you know, we'd stand in some place if it was a lot of leaf litter and you, you know, rake the ground with your foot while doing some of those calls to act like a cat, uh, act like a hen, you know, just working that area and scratching. And I think that's a big part of it is just being as realistic as possible. I mean, that's one thing that a lot of people, like myself and a lot of other individuals I know kind of look past. They think, oh, you just got to do this. You, gotta, you just got to cut at them. You got you to yell at them. And you really don't play it all out like you should. You're not painting the whole picture. You know, you're just putting one phrase in there. It's like saying, hey, 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 hey. Well, someone says, hey, at you enough. You're going to walk away from it. I'm like, what? No, you know, I'm not yeah. giving my attention. It's like yelping them constantly. You're doing paint, other things. Paint that picture. So these things, uh, I would... I would think of when I think of consistently successful at turkey hunting, whether you got a bow, a gun, just killing turkeys, um, fooling turkeys with calling is is keep it simple, stupid principle, um, woodsmanship, knowing knowing when to call, uh, how to call, when to do it, um, taking that temperature, you know, all those things, realism, and there's no cookie cutter. There, there is no, uh, you see these posts, people, you know, I've, I've sat here for uh, one hour, I yelped three times, should I yelp again or should I move to, on to another location? I mean, it, experience is the best teacher. Um, ex, the woods are going to teach people experience and, and experience with turkeys are going to teach them what to do, when to do it. You know, you have to experience that. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you cannot teach experience. That's one of those things that you got to just do. You got to get out and hunt a lot. I mean, you got to make the most out of the time you get to go. But, you know, that kind of wraps up this hunt uh, for this weekend. Yeah, again, wasn't successful. I mean, if I would have just pulled the trigger at like 8 o'clock, you know, we'd, we'd be, uh, be a little, probably a little bit uh, different response right now, guys. But, again, it made for a really cool hunt. But before we wrap up on this episode – Jordan, let's talk about what you got planned for the rest of your season. I know you have a pretty big trip coming up along with Kentucky, so let's yeah, kind of talk so about that going, for a second. Going to Kentucky, uh, hopefully. <laughs> I'm going to Kentucky next weekend, or no, this weekend. So I should be leaving Wednesday night, I want to say. Uh, may or may not go. I'm just trying to see if I'm going to be here or not. I, I'm thinking about it, though, so that's a possibility. But then also going to... Um, uh, let's see, Was- Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Montana, and California in May. So I'm going to do that. going to be all public and I'm going to be there for 10 days. So I'm flying out. I'm not going to drive that one. Um, <laughs> people can say I'm not hardcore if you want to, but I'll drive all the way out to about Nebraska, Colorado. That's my line where I, where I draw the line. And uh, not gonna drive all the way out there, so I'm gonna fly and try to knock out these states. I mean, I'm optimistic. I, I feel like you know I do hunt pretty pretty hard every available second, minute, hour. I'm gonna be grinding. I'm gonna be looking for uh, a turkey in each state, um, and hopefully I can I can get them on camera and it all works out. Now, what are you gonna be hunting with? My bow. Okay. Um, no blind. I'll have me probably a light decoy something like a dsd jake lay down hen something like that something i can carry be mobile with set up quick um yeah that's it just my bow uh no blind 
and I'll have my camera. Sync super mobile. Uh, all my stuff. It, it, I'm pretty quick with setting up, so gonna have to walk a lot of miles. I mean, we did 14 point. We did about 12 miles in one day, and then two and a, two and a half the next. So, I mean, I'm gonna have oh, to no, walk. No, no, that was 14 yesterday. We done five today. Oh, okay. So we did 19 <laughs> miles in two days. So I'm gonna have to do that out west. I mean, I'm gonna have to cover some ground. I've done my research. Mm-hmm. Everything comes down to this trip. Like all the hours. All the time, all the effort, uh, researching, all the blood, sweat, and tears is going to be on top of more blood, sweat, and tears to get it done. So uh, I'm optimistic. Y'all uh, say a prayer for me. I'm going to need it. I'm going to have a lot of stress on me, but I'm, I'm going to try not to stress out too much with it, try to enjoy it. Uh, but I'm going to be trying to you know, get one state done and go to the next, and, and hopefully I'll have some success. Now, why are you doing these hunts? Like, Tell, tell the well, listeners. Well, I'm, I'm a... I just enjoy traveling, number one. Um, you can kill the limit in Georgia, and that's it. You know, three turkeys. I've hunted some other states around Georgia, but I really, it gets kind of boring. So I want to do a turkey in each state that has a population called the Super Slam. Most people know what that is. Um, just trying to do it the way that I enjoy to do it, which is the way I hunt. You know, with a bow, no no blind, and a camera. So hopefully I can document every state. Um Hopefully, I don't have to come back to a state later. That's why I really want to. I've got the time invested. I want to. I want to go ahead and, you know, try to knock out seven states this year and, and move on to the next. Exactly. And a cool thing is, you know, well, I say it's cool. You probably won't enjoy it. When you're in Idaho, the parts of Idaho and Montana you're going to be hunting, you're definitely going to have to be carrying some bear spray and possibly a pistol on that hunt. So I know we talked about that a little bit because you know you're sitting there. You know, you could call up a black bear, depending on what part of Montana you're going to be in, possibly a grizzly bear, maybe a wolf, not too worried about that one, but also a mountain lion. So that's going to make a hunt very, and especially you're using a decoy. So that's going to be a very interesting hunt, you know, coming from the south, having that kind of aspect. The hunter could be the hunted, so I'm not too thrilled about that aspect, Uh, absolutely. Uh, (laughs) Not not too thrilled about that. Uh, We'll be packing some heat. Don't know if it's going to be enough. I really don't care to carry anything else more than what I'm carrying, but uh, I don't know if I'm going to... I'll have to have some bear spray, I guess. Yeah, no, 100%. I'm telling you, I, 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 I'm being a hypocrite saying that because when we went on the Wyoming trip for mule deer, I was the one packing a pistol and you carry bear spray. But after everything I've learned so far, I'll, I'll be carrying bear spray next time as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's one of those things. you got to have bear spray in your lap while you're calling just in case, man. I mean, get ready to pull that pin and shoot. Because <laughs> we're going oh, to... Hey, guys, we might have some really cool audio of, of uh, Jordan uh, having a black bear encounter. I'm telling you, man. I hope not. No, I, I think you'll be fine. I'm just messing with you. But, you know, it's going to be an awesome hunt. Again, trying to knock out those states. and Especially Northern California, I think it's going to be really cool. But, uh, you know, again, you're just doing a public land hunt, you know, going out there, you know, covering all those states, which is something that, you know... A lot of people are interested in. And also, man, you're doing it on a really awesome budget. I mean, we won't say any numbers right now, but it's extremely reasonable. You know, all these states you're hunting. If you're willing to rough it, um, sleep in the truck, you know, all that stuff, I don't mind. I'm I'm all about conserving my funds and put them towards more turkeys instead of a comfortable. Comfortable is not me. When it comes to a turkey, that's my objective. That's my goal. That's what I want to accomplish. And nothing is going to stand in the way of that. And, and funds towards a hotel is going to stand in the way of that. So if that means I can do two extra states, then then by goodness, I'd rather do two extra states than sleep in a Holiday Inn Express. 
You know what I mean? Amen to that. I, I totally agree with that. I mean, that's one of those things. You're going for the experience, not for the comfort. I mean, you'll have comfort sooner or later. Don't worry about that. You're going for the experience and the adventure. Because no one ever talks about, oh, yeah, I went hunting. Oh, man, my room was so comfortable. Oh, yeah, that hotel was so nice. They, they, the stories you bring back is, oh, man, we were rough and had to sleep in the truck. It, it was crazy, but, man, it was a blast afterwards. I mean, you'll be out there kind of like me and Andrew. And, you know, it, it might it might suck. It might be miserable. But afterwards, man, you're going to talk about it forever. I mean, it's one of those memories that, you know, kind of like the suck factor. That The miserable times in life really stick with you. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that you can always bring back up in conversations. And people are always like, oh, man, that's crazy, dude. And you mm-hmm. can tell them about that. I mean, it's yeah. just one of those cool experiences that once you have those in your life, you're going to be stuck with them and you're going to enjoy them talking about them. I mean, but uh, again, guys, just make sure y'all you know stay tuned uh, on Close Proximity TV for that and throughout this next couple of months uh, as he posts those episodes up. But uh, with that being said, to wrap up this episode, Jordan, appreciate you coming on. But before we let you go, how can people get in contact with you and keep up with you on social media? Um, I've got a you know personal Facebook page, uh, also uh, Close Proximity TV on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram. Those are the three main ones. Uh, have Twitter, don't use it, don't care to use it, uh, really. But yeah, that's how they can reach me. That's where they can find the videos uh, on YouTube and Facebook or where the videos will be. And he will be posting relatively soon his last bird that uh, he was able to tag out with in Georgia. We've actually been doing a little editing with that today as we speak. Uh, but when the episode is going to be posted, guys, it's a great episode. It'll, it'll get you fired up in the uh, uh, during that episode. Just a Man, it got me going. I was like, "Oh man, we got to kill a turkey after well, watching that." Yeah, and um, and I want to apologize uh, to some people. You know, I, people ask me, inbox me when when stuff's out, and I try to uh, get it out as quick as I can. But I'm also in the midst of turkey season, and I am a one man band. So please have some patience with me. I'm trying to get this stuff out as soon as I can for y'all, um, and that way it helps me. I mean, I have less stress when I post it too. So trust me, I want to get it off my plate. I want to edit it and get it out there, but I also have hunting to do and people to take hunting, um, and I have some prior obligations, so I'm trying to do that, and I should have this one out. I don't want to give a, na- a date. I'm bad about saying a date, and then it's not out, but I want to try to get this done tonight. Uh, if not tomorrow, no later than tomorrow, this next one will be out. Okay, perfect. So, guys, y'all can be checking that out uh, on either the 23rd or 24th, give or take, maybe a little later. Just keep an eye out for that episode. But once again, Jordan, I appreciate you coming on, man, making some time for us. And I appreciate you taking me hunting this week. Yeah, man, I was glad to do it. Can't wait to take you again, man. Yeah, again, it wasn't successful. Had a blast, though, and we'll definitely have to make a couple trips next year for that, too. For sure. All right, guys, and that's going to wrap up that interview. So now we will announce the winner of the giveaway with Apex Ammunition and Indian Creek Choke Tubes. And the winner is uh, Mr. Chris Christ from Ohio. Congratulations, buddy. You won. So you're going to get a prize package of any Apex ammo you want and any Indian Creek Choke that you want. So... That is one sweet giveaway, man. Congratulations. I hope you do good with it and have fun with it in the woods. Everybody be on the lookout for another big giveaway that we're announcing this Thursday on the next Strut Report. And uh, to close this out, man, if y'all like what you've heard so far, if you like what we're doing with the podcast, it would really help us a lot if you'd leave us a five-star review on iTunes and Stitcher, man. That helps a lot. That helps people find us. That helps... uh, that just helps us with everything that we do. It gives us a good image, and if you don't feel like you should leave a five-star review, 
then message us and uh, tell us what we can change to maybe get you up to that five-star review status. So we're always working to get better here, and we're having a blast doing this, and we just want to produce the best stuff for you guys. So we want to hear from you. But thanks for tuning in this week, and uh, make sure you tune in for the Strut Report on Thursday for the next big giveaway. Look, last summer, y'all heard us talk a bunch about the Mobile Hunters Expo. It was an incredible event. A bunch of you guys came out to meet us. We got to talk to, I don't even know how many listeners. If you heard all that last year and you were like, dang, that sounded cool. I should have went to that. Here's your chance. You need to make it to this one. It's June 28th through June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. All right. Giving you a heads up here. So go ahead and mark it on your calendar. June 28th through June 30th, Dalton, Georgia is going to be the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. We're going to be there. A bunch of our past podcast guests are going to be there. There's going to be seminars. All of the mobile hunting companies are going to be there for you to try out gear before you buy it. It's like the one event of the year where all of the the, like the mobile hunter ecosystem just kind of congregates in one place. And Chris and Josh and the guys have done an absolutely phenomenal job putting this thing together over the last couple years. And it keeps getting better every year. So like I said, make sure you come see us. We're going to have a gigantic stack of free stickers to give away to every listener that stops by the booth. And we're going to have merch there to purchase. We're going to be recording podcasts, shooting videos, all kinds of stuff. So like I said, don't miss it. You can head on over to the mobilehuntersexpo.com to look at show schedules and dates and go ahead and grab your tickets. So y'all go check it out at the mobilehuntersexpo.com.